Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. It's Ollie Richards speaking, and very uh, happy to have you here. Thank you for, for listening, for tuning in. Uh, yeah, it's a cold and frosty morning in the bleak midwinter here in London. I can, from my little home office, I can see frost on the rooftops and um, cold breeze blowing through the trees. And all I can think of is what it must be like in um, Australia right now, because I was there a few weeks ago and it was the middle of summer and I'm kind of jealous. But I love London, as always, and I'm always amazed. You know, I've been spending a lot more time in the centre of London recently, and I'm, I'm just always amazed when I look around me just how many opportunities there are for for language practice out there. You know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because there are so many people speaking all these different languages. But you know, I've never been someone who just kind of goes up and talks to people on the street randomly. I don't really enjoy doing that kind of thing. And so you really, you know, even if you live in a place like London, you've still got to kind of actively create all these opportunities to speak languages because if you don't then it yeah it, it, it won't happen um so i've been thinking a lot about that recently trying to think about how i want to how i want to organize my time which languages i want to speak more of i seem to be speaking a fair bit of italian recently actually funnily enough people kind of coming into my life who are italian speakers um which is yeah really cool actually not what i uh, anticipated though when I was back when I was learning Italian a few years ago, a couple of years ago, um, I ended up sort of learning because, because there were so many Italians around me. But then I didn't really. But by the time I'd actually learned to speak the language, I was I was in a kind of busy phase of my life, and I wasn't hanging out that much, and didn't really get to use the language all that much. But funny how these things go in ebbs and flows, you know. So many of the um, the questions I get here on the on the podcast are about you know should I do this and should I do that. And I find it increasingly difficult to really answer these questions because it's so much of it just depends on you and your life and how languages kind of fit into your life and how they make sense to you. But anyway, on that philosophical note, it's time to get into today's podcast, but not before I thank the sponsors of the show, the fantastic, the wonderful, the amazing italki, where you can get language lessons from the comfort of your home using your computer, your mobile phone, your iPad, or any other internet-connected trans device thing contraption that was the word i was looking for if you'd like to get a free language lesson through italki uh you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson many 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 of you have done this and taken advantage of the um of this special offer to start using italki so i really if you haven't done so yet and you think it would be beneficial for you to start speaking a bit more in your target language then that's the place to go iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson Right then, today's question comes from Amanda, who leaves a question on a YouTube video, one of my YouTube videos, and you can find my YouTube channel on, on YouTube, just type in Ollie Richards. And Amanda's asking about Japanese kanji, and she says, I took Spanish in high school, and the first thing we did was focus on the alphabet, even though most of the characters were the same. Um, so Spanish and English is obviously mostly the same alphabet. And our teacher, she says, had to focus on the pronunciation of each character. I've been learning Japanese for a couple of years on my own, and learning hiragana and katakana was the first thing that I did. I'm curious about kanji, though. I know quite a few basic kanji, like numbers, but for the rest, I was figuring that should you just learn the kanji as they come up in text, or would you recommend going through them, learning them by grade? 
Okay, Amanda, thank you very much for your for your question. So Amanda's asking, just to summarize, how to treat Japanese versus a Romance language. So in Spanish, the, the alphabet is basically the same as English. And so they kind of went through the alphabet and focused on the pronunciation of each letter. But with Japanese, you have two phonetic alphabets, which are hiragana and katakana, which are relatively straightforward to pronounce. But then you've got this big mammoth task of learning kanji, of which there are thousands. Um, but the basic task with kanji is to learn the 2150 or whatever it is that um, are kind of the, the daily the kanji in, in daily use how best to learn those that is the question and i'm going to start off by saying that i'm not sure that i'm necessarily the best person to to ask about this because i have i've, I've had a long struggle with 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 chinese characters um and I, I think i'm actually fairly good at learning them i just find it really boring and um and i i just i've kind of come to the conclusion that i I just don't have the right, I don't have a personality which is naturally suited to learning huge amounts of this kind of information. I, I read a lot in Japanese, um, but I, I'm i kind of like, I feel like I'm still some years away from really reading fluently and knowing all the kanji that I need. And um, so let me tell you about the, the, the different, I think well, the best thing I can do here is not to, not to preach so much, but to tell you about the various sort of phases and experiences that I've had in kanji and then kind of and then um and then kind of pitch that up against what people the opinions of people who I know and trust so um back when I lived in Japan I I learned kanji basically in two ways the first way was just naturally by seeing it all around me and you, you naturally get to know the most common kanji um but that, that that's only to a point you know when you get to learn the the, the kanji for like the station and bus and things like that uh, there comes a point quite quickly where you know all of that stuff and then then the learning stops and then i also would learn kanji uh you know individually so i would just pick well i can't remember how i did it but it was like kanji from books or whatever came up and i would just learn one character at, at a time and write them out and practice them over and over and that was super effective i mean i, I learned you know probably three four hundred kanji that way and then i learned a bunch of others through daily use. So when I started having Japanese friends and we kind of be texting, or see in Japan you don't text, you email. Uh, so I would be emailing, because phones have this email system, it's kind of totally different over there. And I'd be emailing with friends and stuff um, just for like daily use. Like, so where, you know, where are we going to meet? What are we doing? Um, you know, what's up? And that, that kind of language is just like, you know, you tend to get the same kanji being used over and over again and it kind of falls very much in the in the kind of category of like you know just daily use and if you're using that stuff daily then you're fine now where my learning kind of stopped was when the daily use kanji ran out so you know it was after i it was fairly comfortable with you know 500 or so kanji and i could i could do that for most of my daily needs and and just communicating with friends and stuff and then there comes a point I found where you actually want to kind of um, use, you actually want to read something more useful. So it might be a, you know, something on a website or on a, or on a, on a form, or maybe you want to read books or something like that. Then suddenly you kind of go from the kids pool into the, the middle of the Pacific ocean <laughs> and you're just overwhelmed with, 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 with kanji. And you've got, you know, a couple of thousand there, where you basically just have to learn them. And so what's the best way to do that? 
my I'll fast forward now to my current position on what, what I believe to be the best way to learn kanji, although I have to caveat it by saying I haven't done it successfully myself, but you know how sometimes you haven't done something, but you can see how the path leads to that, and I think that's that's where I'm at with this. And it is that the only way to really learn kanji or Chinese characters, the same thing, right, is by reading a huge amount for years. And that by doing so, you just learn them naturally from context. And you learn them in such a way that you know them inside out, exactly how to use them, etc., etc. I don't think you need to know how to write kanji. I think that's 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 a different thing. Writing may help you learn, but I think it's not necessary. Um, if all you do is read in Japanese with progressively difficult stuff, you know, it's, it's that this is Oli One Hundred and One, right? So you kind of read stuff that you're interested in, ideally at your level, and, and ideally with audio. You just read that a ton, uh, then. You will you will learn the kanji. The the big challenge is, um, as my friend Luca Thomas says, um, you basically have to just do nothing but read nonstop for about ten years uh, before you kind of get where you want to go. But I think that is the best way to do it. It's the way that mimics how native speakers learn, because you've got to remember for native Japanese speakers as well. There's nothing natural about learning kanji. They have they learn them for years at school. And the big advantage of this is because it is so natural. When you get there, you know your kanji inside out, back to front. It's you know, it is the best possible depth at which to know this stuff. Now, at this point, this is where you get into kind of hacking territory. So there are lots of methods and people out there who will talk about different methods to learn kanji, and they'll say, "No, Oli, what are you talking about? You can learn kanji in three months with such and such a method, such as Heisig's remembering the kanji, or various other." ways the, the tim ferris apparently um said that he's I, mean, I can't remember what exactly the story was but something like you know I, he said he printed off one of the the big kanji charts and then basically kind of stared at it until he knew it i think that's bs personally i think there may have been some he, he might he might have done that but i think the, the the learning would have happened through other through other means there are lots of ways of of sort of shortcutting this and kind of hacking your way through to learning kanji but the big issue with this stuff and what people don't talk about is that through any of these hacking methods, you can kind of put stuff in various me memory compartments in your brain, but you won't have the context you need to truly know that word. So there are lots, you know, there are, say, you can find lots of examples of 10 kanji in Japanese, which are very similar. And the, the only difference might be the radical or might be some strokes here or there. But using mnemonics, and memory techniques and and um, you know imagery and things like that, in the same way as the Heisig method, you know you can find ways to remember this stuff. But what you're doing is it's it's tricks. It's like hooks for your memory, which kind of get you to remember and recall stuff. But you you're not learning this stuff from context, which means as soon as you need to actually do something with this kanji, you won't be able to. Uh, and you know, you, for example, with Heisig, you might learn one particular meaning for a kanji, but there are so many different meanings, and those meanings change depending on the context, depending on what uh, character it comes up next to. Compound kanji is then when you've got two together. That I don't think personally that there are any valid memory techniques that 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 actually get you to your destination. I think that the argument for memory techniques would be that it's like a kind of leg up 
that will make it a little bit quicker to learn if you are also reading an absolute ton and getting that kind of mass immersion approach that I talked about earlier. That's a situation in which, you know, memory techniques can help you kind of focus in on, on these on these Chinese characters and can help you, can speed up the recognition recall process. But I think um, any, any, any strategy by which you plan to use kind of far, rapid learning techniques or breaking stuff down in order to very quickly learn 2000 kanji, I, I would be very, very cautious of that. And I think anyone who tells you that you can do that, you need to press them on, okay, well, what other things did you do? You'll find a lot of people who, who will kind of push these techniques as shortcuts. Um, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I, I did this myself. But then when you really press them, you'll find that, okay, what they also did was read for five years, for two hours a day. And so, you know, what 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 part of that is responsible for their learning and, you know, which of the two would work in isolation. Uh, anyway, you get you get where I'm going with this. So I, th- I think that in short, Amanda, the only real way, if, if your goal is fluency, re- you know, reading fluency in Japanese, then the only real way is to basically start on a p- large program of reading that you will keep up for years. Um, but if that's not necessarily your goal or if you can't stomach that, then I think a good halfway house is to just learn them individually, certainly up to, you know, I think the first, the most common two, three hundred kanji are certainly very easy to memorize. The, the difficulty comes after you get to, you know, 500, 1,000, where they all start to look very similar. And that's where, you know, you just really need the context to, to help you. So I hope that's helpful. I don't think there is any one way or magic bullet with this. I think that ultimately, the, if you ask people who have actually done it, and you ask them how they did it, you will find that mass immersion is the only real way to uh, to do it. And uh, yeah, but I'd love to hear from you. If you think otherwise, you can email me, ollie at iwillteachyourlanguage.com. Or you can, what can you do? Start a thread in the Facebook group, Ollie Richards Fluency Mastermind, or leave a comment somewhere. This is a, I've, I've, I've said this before, uh, in the entire language learning universe, the thing that will kick up more vitriol and hate and spite than anything I've ever seen is discussions on on learning kanji and Chinese characters. People get extremely, uh, they they get on extremely high horses about this. So, um, you know, I'm always slightly nervous about talking about this stuff, partly because of that, but partly because, as I said before, I haven't managed to do it myself. So there would be a strong argument for just ignoring everything that I have to say. So on that note, thank you very much for your question, Amanda. If you'd like to leave me a question, now's a good time because we have a very small, a very small number of, um, of questions in the, in the queue. So if you leave me a question, you will get it answered very quickly, which has not always been the case. Uh, but you can leave me your questions at iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash ask. Now, at the end of every episode, or occasionally at least, I like to leave you with something connected to the topic of the show. And Amanda has been talking about learning kanji through through context and through immersion, through texts. And obviously connected to that, one of the difficult things is finding texts which are at your level, which are interesting, which you like to read, um, to, to serve as that stimulus for learning, uh, for learning vocabulary, for learning kanji. And a one program that I created a number of years ago, which has been one of my most popular, is Conversations. And we have Conversations in Japanese. We also have it in 
Chinese, French, German, Spanish, Italian as well. But uh, especially for Amanda, we have conversations in Japanese. And the great thing about conversations in Japanese is that it is pitched at that kind of lower intermediate level. So that you've got, um, I mean, I won't give you the whole spiel here, but it's a, basically a story Based program which helps you to improve your listening skills, but as part of that, you get the texts that come with everything. So, if all that you did with kanji was to say, right, I'm going to concentrate on learning all the kanji in conversations, um, then that would be a very effective way to go about leveling up because you've got the text, you've got the story, uh, the audio, sorry, you've got the word lists, you've got everything you need, and it's at your level. So, if you'd like to find out more about conversations. Um, then I strongly recommend it for you if you are at that kind of lower intermediate level. And uh, you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash conversations to find out more. That's IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash conversations. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you back in the next episode of the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you do enjoy the podcast, then you're going to love some of the email courses that I've created. These are completely free email courses which are written specifically for different languages and different levels. I've spent years writing these things. So whether you are a intermediate Spanish learner or a French beginner or Japanese advanced, whatever it may be, I've got email courses that give you some of my best tips for learning those languages at different levels. So whether you're struggling with how to get started, whether you want to know how to understand native speakers when they're talking really quickly at you, whether you want to get better at learning grammar, I've got stuff for you that I send out completely free over email. If you'd like to get these tips, then please go to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash tips. That's IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash tips, T-I-P-S, and I'll get them sent out to you right away.